I'm Mark Ficciani. Welcome to Forge Your Path. To see the type of impact he's been able to have on the lives of his athletes is really inspiring. Hey everybody, welcome back. I've got a great message today that I am so pumped to share. And I just feel like when you're that kind of person that looks for those messages in life, when you're when you live your life in a certain way where you're just thinking about what's next and 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 you're looking for growth. Sometimes lessons find you. And this is one of those times. So let me dive in and give you a little bit of backstory. So recently, in the last month, a real good friend of mine named Reed Pritchett, Dr. Reed Pritchett, um, is a buddy of mine since college. We went to Williams College together. We're on the wrestling team. He was a year older than me, and he was a captain. And so a great friend, great mentor, and we've still kept in touch to this day. And Reed and I were blessed to have our paths cross for a good five-year period in education, where he had gone on and done great things, became a head of school, um, got his PhD, University of Wisconsin. And for an overlapping period, he and I both worked together at the Pingree School out in Basking Ridge. And I was a teacher, coach wore a number of different hats as an administrator, as a team leader, running auxiliary programs. And Reed was a administrator who really was a coach for our teachers. I can't remember his exact title, but that's not really as important to this story. So Reed and I overlapped for a good period of years. And it was awesome to be back with a friend that, that just shared the same values as I did. And as life turned, Obviously, you know my story. Uh, the last several years, I've been out of formal education. Um, Reed has stayed in education, went off and, and worked and led a school in China for a period of time, and since came back and just recently was hired as a coach for an unbelievable company that you may have heard of called Franklin Covey. So I had heard of Franklin Covey years ago. And probably almost a good decade ago, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm showing you the book right here, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, one of the most impactful books I ever read. And I mean, the amount of underlines and notes and side pieces that I had here, it took me months to get through this book because it is not one that you just tear through. There is so much density to it. And I mean that in a good way, not like you know, George McFly, I'm your, I'm your density. <laughs> it's an unbelievable book. There's so many lessons in it. So it took a while to get through. And I remember keeping it on my shelf. I would re-explore it from time to time when I was a teacher. This is probably around 2013, 2014, 2015, but it's been back on the shelf for a while. Well, Reed is now working as what's called a leader in me coach, which is what I learned Franklin Covey, at one time, they ended up building a very thriving, powerful business. And at first, there was a lot of time management and planners and all those kind of tools to help you be more effective personally. They changed their mission. And now, a lot of their big focus is on two areas, 
helping schools providing with that K to 12 curriculum that's going to articulate personal leadership all the way through. And, and what an unbelievable end that is, right? To be able to have that vision and lens to help a student from age five through 18 and to help administrators and teachers also articulate that same message. Imagine the global impact of that over time, just extraordinary. And they're doing the same thing in business, uh, helping to have companies clarify what are their goals and to execute on a more effective basis. So I thought, hey, in learning this about Reed, is it time for me to pick up seven habits of highly effective people again? And yeah, your answer is absolutely. So I picked it up and I began skimming through and my God, it's just, the book is unreal. Uh, I don't remember exactly when Stephen Covey passed. I want to say it was in the last five years or so, but as I'm starting to reread it, without a doubt, it's, it's, it's in the top three books that I've ever read because sometimes you just find that a text has the ability to capture such clarity and to give you such an unbelievable window into who you are and who you want to be. And that to me is what this book is all about. So I probably could do 50 episodes, 52 episodes, 100 episodes on this book and never run out of information. But since I'm really focused on focus this month, uh, I thought it would be a great way to talk about one area, just really diving into not even a whole chapter, but a piece of one chapter that I think hit me in a big way. So that's what today's topic is going to be all about. Now, in the past week, I had, if I think about how I measure my own success, and I think about my own life, there are a couple of different barometers of how I look at that. And one of the ways that I always think about that is how did I show up as a person? How did I show up as a person? And I mean that in all my different roles that I play. How did I show up as a husband? How did I show up as a father? How did I show up as a leader in my business? How did I show up as a son to my parents? And I could go on and on and think about all the different roles that I play. And as I parse through that, I would say for this past week, I wouldn't have given myself a really high score. And as I delved into why, and I thought about why, it's not that I didn't get a lot of stuff done, because I did. It was a very intense week of work where there was a lot of to-dos. And on the family front, there was a lot to do as well with a lot of moving parts. Um, had, a, had a couple of things going on with my girls. Had a sick puppy that was getting ill several days in a row. Had to take him to the vet and get that taken care of. But all those things were taken care of. So as the end of the week here, around the weekend as I record this, a lot got done. But I think the one thing that I come back to is, did I show up as that kind of person that I wanted to be? And if I look in the mirror, the answer is no. And so then the next question I ask is, well, why? Why didn't I show up as the best spouse, 
as the best parent, as the best leader in my role at Tenna, as the best son, and so on and so forth. And I think I come back to some really interesting takeaways. And picking up this book gave me that clarity this weekend. And so I wanted to share three things that I feel as though if you want to be able to live your life with greater focus in the areas that count, here are three things to think about, three questions to consider as you dive into your own personal leadership, because that's what this is all about. That's what this is all about. If you read The Seven Habits, there is a whole element that talks about your own personal leadership. And then in the second half of the book, it talks about public leadership. How can I influence others? And the two are connected. But I think going back to where I'm at right now, we're really just talking about how about my own personal leadership? So question number one, question number one that I'm asking myself and I'm challenging you to ask yourself is, are you leading your life or are you managing your life? Let me say that one again. Are you leading your life or are you managing your life? To me, those are two fundamentally different things. Because this past week, I was really busy. I got a lot done. But if you're just getting a lot of stuff done, does that lead to a fulfilling life? And does that lead to a principle-centered life? Maybe it does and maybe it doesn't. And I think if you're just managing your life rather than leading it from the right place, then the way the book talks about is you're straightening deck chairs on the Titanic. You could spend a day, a week, a month. What if you spent years of your life just doing stuff, scrambling around, but not doing the things that count? Personally, that scares the crap out of me. That is the last way that I want to live my life. And for this past week, I think I might have been guilty of that because perhaps I forgot what is important. So as I dug into this book, I really spent some time in chapter two, which is begin with the end in mind. And as you think about that, I'm sure that probably your mind might go to time management. Yeah, get the most important stuff done early on in the day. And sure, there is an element of that. And, and a lot of people talk about that with different time management techniques. This isn't really what they're talking about. It's not really what they're talking about. Uh, beginning with the end in mind is first envisioning the kind of person you want to be. And then living your life in the way that aligns with your vision. So let me say that again. It's envisioning the kind of life you want to have and the person you want to be, and then executing and living your life and doing the things that are aligned with that vision. Covey talks about in this book, there's two things. You've got to create that vision in your mind, and then you've got to execute. Or you can think about it this way. There's the mental creation, and then there's the physical. If you're going to build a house, you've got to design it, and then you execute and build. It's the same thing for your life. So management without leadership is kind of a fool's errand if you're just doing stuff. So that is question number one. Are, are you leading your life or are you just managing your life? Number two, 
Number two, as you think about your day-to-day, are you winning battles or are you winning the war? Are you winning battles or are you winning the war? Let me, let me dive into that for a second. So as a parent, every day, you're going to have something come up. And now I'm blessed to have two amazing 12-year-old daughters, soon to be 13 in a couple of weeks. And yeah, we are full on in middle school, about to be in seventh grade and all that comes with that. So as this year has come up, as you see a lot of different flux that happens in middle school, there are probably more emotions at play than we're used to. And I realize as I read this chapter and think about it, Am I just trying to win battles and stifle emotions? Am I just trying to think about conflict resolution and prevent emotions from happening? Which would be the equivalent of winning the battle, trying to shut down too much emotion, shut down crying, shut down fighting. Or am I parenting in a way that's winning the war? So what's winning the war? In my mind, it's helping my daughters become the kind of communicators that can process emotions successfully, thoughtfully, productively, and ultimately get them to a place where they can work through their challenges and be the kind of people that go through adversity, be able to constructively deal with their issues and become the kind of responsible and wonderful young women that I know they can be. But if I'm parenting in a way that just is winning the battle, my goal is just going to be to shut it down. Hey, when someone is fighting with each other, I'm just going to say, knock it off. So can that end that argument? Sure, it can. I can drop the hammer. Uh, A lot of people don't see that side of me very often, but sure, I'm absolutely capable of doing that. Is that going to win the war? What am I teaching and instructing my kids to do if I'm going to solve every problem with shouting over top of somebody. And the other aspect of it to me is, this is a lot deeper. So I had a conversation with my brother yesterday, and he threw another log on the fire for me to think about. So my girls were telling my parents this funny story that nothing infuriates us more When dad uses that calm coaching voice where he tries to be like a smooth ship on a calm sea and we're really upset and frustrated and dad just tries to keep an even keel. And so I heard that and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Here I am trying to be the calm guy, trying to be patient and listen. And they are, they would rather me scream. They would rather me to bring some other emotion like that. That's super counterproductive. But I thought about it a little further. My brother shared something from a book he's reading right now. And I realized that maybe by staying calm, all I'm trying to do is a different type of winning the battle. Maybe I'm just trying to let this ride through and I'm not truly listening. Maybe I'm not truly empathizing and helping my kids by giving the sense that I'm connecting to their upset. So that to me was a big one. And so as I'm reading this chapter in Covey, I was reading chapter two, 
there's a really, really cool concept about writing a new script. And so by that, the book talks about, are we running plays that are essentially just what we do? Are these habits we have that are, we're not really conscious of? Maybe we're, maybe we're the screamer. Maybe we're the pacifier. Maybe we're the, um, I don't know, the helicopter parent that's got to solve everything. You know, maybe we're the avoider. Each of us have our own scripts. And is it time for a new script where you understand and you're solving problems in harmony with your values? Not just responding to the short term of what's in front of you. Because, man, I'll tell you what, if I'm going to be a little judgy here for a second, I just see a whole generation of people when I go out to eat at a restaurant and I see the one-year-old or the two-year-old or the three-year-old with the iPad in front of them. Of course, that's going to make for a more peaceful dinner for a parent that's just stressed to the nines and needs to catch their breath. But man, I feel like you're winning the battle, but you're probably not winning the war with that approach. But we all have our own versions of that. So I know I'm guilty of that in other ways. If I wanted to delve into my version of the iPad, I'm sure there is one. So is there another script that I need to be running? Is there another script that you need to be running that's more harmony with your values? And I know we're talking about parenting right now, but it's the same with marriage. It's the same with your career. It's the same with your spirituality and other areas of your life that are important. So are you winning battles or are you winning the war? And I think the way to know that is if you ask yourself, if you're acting in line with your values, that's your answer. So question number three, question number three, everything I've talked about so far is predicated on the fact that you know what you're about. So question number three is what's at the center? What's at the center? And the book is absolutely brilliant at breaking this down. And as you dive into this chapter, Covey talks about all these alternative centers that people have. And man, was this an eye-opener for me. If you take a look at all these alternative centers, it proposes the idea that a lot of the time, we may be making decisions based on other people as opposed to our values. We may be making decisions based on other people as opposed to our values. So these are important people. It's not as though we may be making decisions according to unimportant people, but if you look at it through different lenses, maybe you're somebody that is a spouse-centered lens. Maybe you're somebody that has a friend-centered lens. Maybe you're somebody that has a work-centered lens. Maybe you're somebody that has a money-centered lens. It's not to say that if you have those, that you're a bad person. But here's the thing. All those that I just mentioned are transitory. So what do you mean by that? Well, if all I do is, is go through and live my life through a money-centered lens. Well, if something financially changes and suddenly I don't have any, 
What does that do to my center? How do I make that next right decision? If everything in my life is work-centered and all of a sudden now I lose my job, how does that guide me to make the right decisions? If everything is enemy-centered or friend-centered, well, what do I mean by enemy-centered? Maybe there's that rival at work that you're trying to get the one-up on. Well, if everything you do is in line with trying to make sure you advance beyond that person, well, you're making decisions outside yourself. You might even say, well, what's it wrong to be spouse-centered or family-centered? Like, I love my family. I love my spouse. But at the end of the day, you're taking the you're living your life by someone else's values. And so the opportunity here is to think about, can I figure out what's the center for myself? And he breaks it down in four different ways. Your true center has wisdom, power, security, and guidance. Wisdom, power, security, guidance. What's your wisdom? Your wisdom is your perspective, right? It's the way you see the world. Your power is your strength to take action in certain areas and your ability to follow through and execute. Your guidance is your direction in life and your security is where you get your worth, your identity, your self-esteem. If you're getting that from other people or outside of yourself, then you're probably never going to be that kind of standard person that can truly make a decision around the right areas. You're always going to be in conflict. And guess what? Sometimes there are going to be conflicts in life where you're at the crux of a tough decision that puts maybe family and work in the crosshairs. So how do you come up with the right decision? Well, if you instead have a value-based way you look at your life and way you run your life, then you've got the ability to navigate and make your decisions based on what's important. So what do you do with that? How does a person do that? Well, go back to the beginning. Begin with the end in mind. So what does Covey propose on that? Craft your own personal mission statement. If you craft your own personal mission statement, obviously this is something you don't knock out in five minutes. You get to a quiet place. You get in tune with who you are. You think about the person you are and the person you want to be, that should be your guidance as to what's important for you. What are those values that dictate the best of you? What are those values that, that provide you with inspiration every day and call you up to be that person that when you look in the mirror and you put your head on the pillow at night, you are damn proud of yourself because you lived in alignment of what was important to you and the person you are. So that's what a mission statement can do. So I know after reading this, I've got some homework to do because although I know key values that are important in my life, and I've identified these at different times in the past, it's probably been a minute. It's been a minute since I've sat down and I've walked through that. So couldn't be a more perfect time as I head out for a couple of days with the family to hit the beach. And with that quiet time, with that reflection, I personally am really excited to get back to that vision 
and to figure out once again with a little bit more clarity perhaps it's just going to be a refinement of the values i already know that are important but it's a chance to not only double down on those values but to think about how i can apply those into the roles in my life that is a great execution step so again i'll recap those three questions for you are you leading your life or are you managing your life number 2 are you winning battles or are you winning the war and number 3 what's at the center i think if you dive in and help yourself answer those questions if you can take the time and reflect on those you are going to have a gold mine in terms of now all of a sudden you've got the roadmap you've created first in your mind of what's important and now you know what to do each day. You know how to live your life. When these conflicts come up, you've got the ability to handle them in ways that are going to win the war and not just the battle. So thank you for listening today. Again, if you haven't read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, it is a must read. It is absolutely timeless. It's so cool when you see a book that you picked up nearly a decade ago and the words just jump off the page because just like principles. The book is written around those and the right principles are timeless. So grab a copy, answer yourself those questions, and I guarantee you're gonna find some clarity and some inspiration and the ability to execute and live your life in a more impactful way. So I'm looking forward to doing the work. I'm looking forward to being the better version of me this next week, not just when I'm on vacation, that's easy to do. But when those daily conflicts do come up, I think if I've got that renewed clarity, my life's going to be a lot more in line and a lot more fulfilled because I know when I look in that mirror at night, I know when I close my eyes and my head hits the pillow, yeah, I live the kind of life that I'm proud of. Thanks, everybody. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you again soon.